up, beautiful humans? My name is Morgan, and I'm your podcast host. I'm a talk therapist by training and a practicing spiritual entrepreneur. I specialize in Reiki, tarot, and past life regression. In this podcast, I integrate both clinical and spiritual perspectives to best support you on your healing journey. Welcome to The Clinical Spiritualist. everyone welcome back to the clinical spiritualist my name is morgan and i'm your host today before we begin i want to start with a content warning around transphobia homophobia and uh, suicidality so if you are not in this space to hear about these topics then please just do not listen and that is okay you can always come back to it or you don't have to but please 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 take care of yourself first Okay, let's get into it. So I've had a very reflective day today, and it started all at 5 a.m. when I got on Facebook. There was my first mistake, and I saw a very transphobic picture and comment um, around Leah Thomas, who is a swimmer. And it really has had me reflecting all day, and it's made me quite upset And I want to talk about trans people today. I want to talk about transphobia and women in sports and trans people in sports. Um, So we're going to talk today a little bit about education around what is the difference between sex and gender? Um, What is cisgender versus transgender? what sort of risk factors do trans people face on a daily basis? And I also want to break it down and talk about why are people so upset about trans people in sports Um, and kind of how that goes against what we've known in this patriarchal, heteronormative, homophobic, transphobic culture. Um, I really kind of had a pep talk with myself of I'm going to get passionate because it's what I care about and it, it hits my heart deep. And also I want this to be an opportunity to educate. Sometimes when I speak from solely a heated, (laughs) upset, defensive place, um, you know, it puts people on the defense and they're not able to hear what I have to say. So my hope is that I can educate others Um, we can have an open conversation and also not shutting myself off to the passion I feel around this topic. As someone who is queer, um, I will never know the experiences of not feeling like yourself and, and questioning your gender. That is something that I will never be able to Uh, relate to, but I do have a lot of empathy and I have worked with a lot of trans and non-binary clients so that I can empathize. I can't feel it as my own, but I can empathize to the best of my ability. So let's get started. Let's start with the basics, sex versus gender. So sex is what we are signed with at birth, right? The doctor looks at us and makes makes a judgment call, which is is unfair. You know, our whole life is supposed to be determined by our anatomy. So you're, you're a male or you're a female. And then our society takes that. And it's like, okay, this is what female people do. This is what male people do. This is the type of jobs you'll like, the type of people you'll like, um, and be romantically attracted to. This is what you'll wear. You know, we have 
the, the sex, people think that sex and gender are related, but sex is literally just the anatomy. Gender is different. Gender is a spectrum. Gender is something we as humans get to choose, you know, when we start becoming older and we start figuring out who we are. Gender is a feeling or expression of self. So cisgender people, so let's talk about cisgender versus transgender versus non-binary versus genderqueer. Cisgender people, so for example, I'm a cisgender woman. I was assigned female at birth. I also feel like I am a woman and girl. I've never questioned my gender, therefore I'm cisgender. Transgender is when, for example, someone was assigned male at birth. They do not feel like that they are a man. They feel like that they are a woman. And so that they are transgender because they are a woman, a trans woman. Non-binary. Non-binary people don't, oh, I love non-binary people because it just really is like an act of, of, of revolution, even though that's not their intent. It's just how they feel. Non-binary people don't subscribe to either binary. So we have this male binary, this female binary, non-binary people, you know, exist outside of that spectrum. They exist in the spec with, you know, in the middle of the spectrum wherever, but they, they don't subscribe to the binary, hence the term non-binary. And what I want to know about, so we have gender here. Um, And what I want to know about non-binary people, non-binary people don't have to use they, them pronouns. So oftentimes when people learn about non-binary, they think, oh, well, I'll know if someone's non-binary if they use they or them or they, them. That's not true either. Someone can be non-binary and still use she, her pronouns and still use he, him pronouns or use she, they pronouns. So maybe we'll talk about pronouns a little bit too. And maybe that's a different podcast. And then there's something called gender queer. So gender queer is, you know, maybe for six months you feel as though you fit in in the gender as a male. Sometimes you feel non-binary. Sometimes you feel more female and that can change. So when we think of uh, queer, queer really is an umbrella term. So we use gender and queer together. So people can be non-binary and gender queer, um, or you can be non-binary or genderqueer. Here's the thing about gender. So we're not, I'll touch on sexuality a little bit today as I compare some things, Um, but gender and sexuality are obviously different. But here's the thing, people often have this, um, you know, hot take that they think is a hot take. Um, So people can just wake up and decide that they're, you know, whatever gender, that they're this or that, yes literally yes. And I can compare it and I can relate to sexuality. I've always been bisexual. For me, I don't think that will ever change, but there are people in the LGBTQ plus community who sometimes feel bisexual, sometimes feel pansexual, sometimes feel lesbian. Um, Sexuality and gender are literally spectrums. And that's not just a hot phrase. That's that's backed by research. Um, And that's what's so you know, what gets me so worked up and what gets people so passionate about this is that, you know, you can't argue with people's lived experience. You can't argue with people, people saying who they are. You know, if someone changes their name from Joe to George, 
I mean, that, that's their right. You know, like we cannot argue with science one, and we cannot argue with people's lived experience. Gender, let's talk about gender a little more. Gender is a social construct. Okay. That's a very, to me, it's very to the point sort of sentence, but let me break that down. So what is a social construct? A social construct is something that society has created. So for example, the nine to five, the nine to five capitalistic type of uh, work environment that we as a society promote, and I'll say we a lot, and I just mean we as society, that is a social construct. Somewhere in history, we decided that we're going to wake up Monday through Friday, and we're going to work nine to five, and you know, then we're going to retire at this age and work for a big company, and like we've created these things. So another social construct is marriage. We've just decided that you get married around, you know, 23 and you stay married for the rest of your life and then you eventually have kids and everything is a social construct and gender is no different. We've literally created gender, like it's made up. And so the fact that, you know, we think transgender non-binary people are just coming out of the, like coming out of nowhere. No, transgender and non-binary people have existed as long as humans have been alive. However, we're just now finding the language for the experience. We're just finding the comfort to tell others, you know, back in the fifties and stuff, transgender people were still around, um, and, and still living their lives as trans, but there was less acceptance. And I'm not saying the acceptance is at all nowhere near good or perfect. Um, Transgender people face a lot of hate, but gender, going back to the topic, gender is a social construct. It's something we've literally made up. So for example, I am a woman. That's my gender. I'm a woman. From my gender, I now have been assigned gender roles. So I'm supposed to marry a man. I'm supposed to have kids. I'm supposed to buy a house. I'm supposed to be the one cooking and cleaning. I'm um, supposed to be submissive. Like these are all constructs that society has created. And obviously I don't follow literally any of those, (laughs) Um, but it's made up. Gender is something that we've made up and gender roles is something that we've also made up based on history um, that stems from capitalism, white supremacy, and so on. So gender can be compared to sexual orientation, whereas it's a spectrum and everyone exists on that spectrum. However, again, gender and sexuality are different. So today we're talking about trans people being in sports. And I don't know if I said this earlier, I kind of forget Um, what sparked this conversation is I saw someone make a post on Facebook about Leah Thomas and they used her dead name, um, which you're not supposed to do. That is Transcare 101 used her picture before she transitioned and before she came out um, and used her dead name. So dead name is the name someone used before they came out as trans or before they you know, cho- chose their new name. And was just like the Facebook post was like, if you agree with this, then unfriend me. And so I made a I made a comment on it and was just like, you know, like gender and sex are different. Like this is very hateful and transphobic. Um, clearly you're like not wanting to be educated, so I won't waste my time. But you, you know, you're causing harm here. And that is why I'm so passionate about it, is that 
you know what, but actually before we go into the trans people being in sports, let's talk about the, the scientific risk factors trans people face. So it is proven that gender affirming care, so affirming someone's gender. So if you, if you have a client that comes in and says, I'm a woman, here are my pronouns, you know, this is my gender, uh, maybe they've changed their name or something and affirming that and saying, okay, well, nice to meet you. Um, and using the correct pronouns, using the correct name and referring to them as woman or whatever gender that they are. Um, affirming that that's gender affirming care. And you can be a, give it, give affirming care as a teacher, um, as a therapist, as a physician, you know, gender affirming care can be in different aspects. So gender affirming care decreases depression, anxiety, and the risk of dying by suicide. So when people post these like offhand, like trans women should be allowed, well, you know, this is more hateful things than that. I can't even really bring myself to say, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It makes me really sick. Um, it's, it's not just an opinion. It's not like you're posting on Facebook. Oh God, lasagna sucks. No, this is someone's identity. This is someone's being that you are saying you do not exist. You are not real. And of course, like, of course, we could not have any data. And of course, it's going to increase your depression, increase your anxiety, and increase your risk of suicidality and not wanting to be here. Like, of course, as humans, you know, no matter the gender or sexuality, we want to be seen. We want to feel like others know and respect and care for us just because of who we are. So when I'm seeing these, like, you know, and I, I saw another transphobic thing about Leah Thomas um, earlier this week, and I just unfriended. So sometimes I, I say something, sometimes I just unfriend. And my God, I thought I've cleared my Facebook out, but people come out of the woodworks with these horrible, horrible, you know, tragic scary views. So let's go back to, to more research of, um, what trans people face. So transgender youth are twice as likely to consider suicide than other LGBTQ plus youth. So we know that LGBTQ plus youth is at an increased risk for, um, substance abuse, for mental health, um, concerns for depression, anxiety, etc. So let's go within the community. Transgender youth are twice as likely to consider suicide. And that's what I, you know, I think some people understand and are just going to be outside outright transphobic. I don't think people truly understand that when they are posting this, they are promoting hate and the risk of suicide. Like this is a healthcare health issue. It's a safety concern. I don't really feel like my words aren't coming as uh, easily to me as what I'm feeling. Also, trans people are are at an increased risk for houselessness, for substance abuse, for um, getting, you know, kicked out of their homes and living on the streets. Like, this is just so much deeper than, you know, how you think sports should go and how you think that the world should go. Because, like, all of every single person. So this is my own research. Every single person I've seen post something transphobic has no formal education in sexuality or gender studies, has never had a conversation with a trans person, has never cared for a trans person. Like to them, it's like this outward thing, like trans people exist, like far away from them. No, trans people are in your very 
they're in your space. They're around you all the time. You may not know it. So I can guarantee that this person that I saw post this, there's one trans person, whether they're out or not, who saw that and who affected negatively. And that is what's so upsetting is like, who cares? Like at the end of the day, like, I think it's important to be educated on trans issues, trans people and all of that. And like, why are people so invested in what others are doing? Other genders people are, there we go what pronouns people are using. Like who gives a shit? Like if we really want to zoom out, like let people live, like how is it actually impacting you? And that's what we're going to segue into today. Why do people care about trans people being in sports? There's a lot to unpack here. And here are a few reasons that here are a few reasons that I'm going to talk about today. So why do people care so much? And this doesn't encompass everyone's feelings, you know, I'm only going to name a few of what I feel unwitnessed and just knowing like humans and human behavior and human psychology, like it's kind of easy to like understand, I guess. I don't know a better way to say that. It's not like I have empathy for, for these viewpoints, but I know where it comes from, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So first reason I have here, Trans people challenge the norm and it makes people uncomfortable. So one thing about humans, especially cisgender white people, especially cisgender white men, they want to be comfortable. White men are, excuse me, white men are so used to being at the top, being the best, being accepted, being the, you know, being the best at everything and being rewarded for that, that to have a transgender person who does not fit the norm makes people wildly uncomfortable. And what's so interesting to me is that all these people popping off about Leah Thomas, they don't give a fuck about (laughs) swimming. That's what's so also infuriating. It's like, when the fuck did you become a swim fan? You know? And it's literally because it has to do with a trans person and it literally triggers you And makes you uncomfortable because it challenges your very gender identity and your very gender, like your gender roles that you, that you subscribe to and are unwilling to challenge. So to give some context, I was thinking about the story this morning when I saw all this, you know, I'm 26 and I was not raised knowing about trans people and letting them take up space. Like I cannot think of, I can think of one trans person in my high school and I don't know anything about her now, but, um, yeah, I remember just being so fascinated by her because I was like, I didn't know anything about trans people. And I thought, wow, I mean, she, she would just strut her stuff like in the hallways and yeah, I might have to look her up and see what she's up to. Um, but it was confusing to me because I didn't have any education around trans people. I wasn't educated on the LGBTQ plus community until I went to college. And I was like, Oh my God, I remember learning about pronouns and I was in a gender studies class and I'm like, Oh my God, all of this is made up. And like my fascination with it has not stopped since. Like I am all about challenging the norm because it's literally not real. So that's one reason it challenges the norm and it makes people uncomfortable. And as humans, we want to be comfortable as possible. We want to stay in our little bubbles with our little friends and our little beliefs. And we don't want to go against that. And something in my own research, like 
people making these comments, they haven't left my hometown, which was all white people and all quote unquote straight people noticing how literally all of us are in the LGBTQ plus community now, which, you know, we were before, but now we feel safe as adults with all this education uh, to move forward. I don't know where I was going with that, but anyway, it makes people uncomfortable. Another thing, trans people straight up confront the patriarchy. So the patriarchy is where the white men uh, get to hold all the power and take it all away from everyone else. And it confronts that. Like, you aren't the shit. There's a room for everyone at the table. And it confronts the gender norms. You know, the patriarchy thrives on gender norms, keeps the, the, the woman, the, the people of color down, and it holds up white supremacy. So it very much confronts that. And it confronts this toxic masculinity as we know it as like, you know, you have the strong cisgender man who, you know, takes care of the woman and, you know, they go off into their Cinderella fairy tale and have kids and live in the suburbs of Indiana. Like it very much confronts that. No, like you get to live an expansive life. You get to be you. And so when I see people who don't give a shit about sports, who don't give really a shit about anything. And then all of a sudden they're so triggered about trans people. I'm just like, there is something within you. You have not confronted. You are not okay with being yourself. And so therefore seeing someone be so themselves is confronting. And something I want to make clear here, being triggered by someone in the LGBTQ plus community, it doesn't mean that you're this, no, I'll say this. It doesn't always mean that you're secretly LGBTQ+. I think that's a dangerous stance to have. Sometimes I think that, you know, I held really conservative views as a teen and a child, and it's because I was scared to confront myself that I loved women as well. I love all the genders, romantically and sexually. So it confronts the patriarchal, you know, men get to save us and, you know, save us women and whatever. And it also stems from like this toxic religious Christianity standpoint of, you know, there's a man and there's a woman and, you know, you're in holy matrimony, yada, yada, yada. So other reasons I think it makes people so uncomfortable is that people are just unwilling to empathize with others. People, not everyone has self-awareness and like the actually, I think a lot of people have the ability to put themselves in other, other people's shoes. They're just unwilling. And that's the difference between, you know, we all have biases. I have drastic different views than I did when I was 15. Um, and that is because I grew up, you know, in a certain culture that was homophobic, that was racist and all of these other things. And then when I got to go to college and, be around other people, diverse people, learn about diversity, learn about, you know, how I can be more inclusive and, um, learn more about myself. And that's like, you know, that's why I didn't come out until I was an adult, all that stuff. You know, we all have biases. Let's go back to that. We all have biases and that's okay. You know, I'm not here to shit and like on people and like, we need to be perfect from birth. However, I am holding people accountable who are now over the age of 18 and have access to books and, um, have access to podcasts and the internet and, you know, they can 
empathize and still don't and are just unwilling. That's where it gets dangerous and transphobic and homophobic and all that. So people are just unwilling to empathize because they don't want to, because it, it very much challenges what is within them. And so when I think people get so upset about trans people in sports, it's because you, it's, it's a classic psychology term, projection. There is something about someone being so authentically themselves that it confronts your own feelings. So it's just interesting to me that especially I could think of a lot of like Christian love peace type of people from my hometown who are so homophobic and transphobic. And it's like, what about that triggers you so much? And I I can hypothesize it very much goes against your alt-right conservative views that you have, you're unwilling to challenge because accepting other people for who they say they are goes against your toxic, hateful beliefs. So instead of saying, you know what, maybe my beliefs are kind of wrong. They're hurting others. People just hold this and grasp this view. Because let me tell you right now, every transphobic and homophobic thing I see is from these alt-right conservative Christian people who, again, this is another thing. It's not that all Christians are hateful. It's not that all conservatives are, are hateful. However, you know, there are um, there's a huge correlation. That's the word I want to say. So, you know, I had, I had a a man and my family ask me, we were talking about trans people in sports and, you know, he very much, this is the thing is that you can have biases and be curious about trans people in sports. And, you know, I'm not saying everyone needs to be like, yay, trans people in sports. You know, that's the goal. However, I understand human nature. We have to get curious first. If this is something new that we've never seen, I understand the curiosity. I understand wanting to talk it out with someone and um, have these conversations. I get that. That's okay. However, let me add this. It's not trans people or non-binary people, non-binary people's um, job to educate you. However, if you want to have this conversation with other safe people, that's understandable. So anyway, I had um, a guy in my family. We talked about this. And the example that I gave him was, and he came from a very curious standpoint. Like, I, you know, this is hard for me to wrap my, you know, he's a white male, cisgender white male. Um, and it was hard for him to understand, you know, very much came from like, this is how sports have been. Like, how is this fair? Like all that stuff. And, um, I gave this example of, there was a time in history when women were not allowed to vote, you know? There was a time in history when gay people were not allowed to get married. There was a time in history where white people literally owned black people. I mean, what? Like, think of all the horrendous stuff that is still happening and has happened in history. You have to be willing to change these social constructs if you want to change the course of history, if you want to be more accepting. And so it all comes down to what are your core values? You know, if your core value is to keep things the same and to have no, invite no change, well, we're not going to see no change and we're not going to, we're not going to see no change. We're not going to see any change. And that is going to lead to severe um, mental health issues. It's going to lead to people dying by suicide. Like that is the real risk of what's happening here. Um, So it all comes down to your core values. And for me, my core value is acceptance, love, and making sure everyone feels safe. And so that's why I'm like, I don't give a shit who was playing what. Because, 
you know, if someone feels more safe and comfortable by being their authentic self at the risk of changing the sports industry, who gives a shit? Because again, women were not allowed to vote at one time. You know, sexism still exists, obviously, but things are different now because people were willing to challenge the norm and say, God, this doesn't feel right. But, you know, there were people who were like, women are, you know, supposed to be in the house and not supposed to think and not supposed to have a brain and not supposed, definitely not supposed to vote. But we challenged that. And now it's changed. And, you know, my God, I hope I never meet someone who's like, women are not supposed to be able to vote. But when we change, we become more comfortable with change. We change the course of history. We create a more accepting and inclusive environment. So yes, it will change sports and that's okay because you know why? Change is good. Relating it back to sexuality. I mean, gay marriage was not legalized till 2015. That was not that long ago. Homosexuality, which is an outdated term, by the way, was literally a mental health diagnosis in the DSM. What, what mental health practitioners use to diagnose people. I mean, that, we, we get to change the world. We get to change our viewpoints. And um, again, biases are okay if we unlearn and we educate ourselves and, we're, and we confront that. Hey, I'm having some biases show up. You know, we are all, we're not all raised perfect, inclusive. You know, I sure as hell wasn't. Um, but when we have the opportunity to change and grow and be more close, and if we don't, that's when it's outright harmful. So let's talk a little bit more about trans people and sports. Literally everyone has a biological advantage or disadvantage. I know that is kind of the thing transphobic people kind of go off. Well, it's not biologically fair because biologically, you know, men this or that. You know, what about two cisgender women who are on a volleyball team and they play, play a front row, one, six, three, and one, five, six? There is a biological disadvantage and advantage for one of those people. One person's going to make that team and one person's literally not because of a biological difference. What about people with disabilities? Someone who is, who is in a wheelchair. I don't see them making a complaint about how it's not fair that um, able-bodied people get to play in sports. I mean, that's a biological disadvantage. Um, so it's really not, it's like always unpacking. So like people want to say like, oh, this isn't fair. Well, let's really unpack what you're saying here. Um, and go back to this biological disadvantage or advantage. Some people are born, born with color blindness. Some people are born with, um, you know, being blind in one eye. Some people are born deaf, like, and we're always talking about these elite athletes with trans people, um, you know, whose hormone levels are regulated in these elite sports. So we want to like say, oh, this isn't fair for Olympic sports and collegiate sports and all this stuff. But I can guarantee you, again, if we unpack that statement with you, you're going to be upset if a transgender kid is playing on your kid's sports team because it's not about these things that you're masking it as. Dig deeper. Question yourself. It is about making sure that trans people don't exist. It's about eliminating their validity to make yourself uncomfortable. So again, it's like all these people who are pretending they're swimming sports fans. It's not about the swimming sport you care about. It's about making sure that trans people are erased. So let's get, let's get real. People do not care about fairness in sports until it comes to trans people. And that's because it's not about fairness. It's about trans people. 
What about people in sports who have used steroids? What about people who have more financial means to get more training and therefore are better because, you know, their parents can afford, you know, three trainings a week versus, you know, once a month, whatever. There's so many ways I could spin that. What about people who have more support system and have, you know, are more emotionally healthy? That's unfair. That's a disadvantage. Um, What about people who, you know, their parent has been a national soccer player for five generations? Like there's an advantage there. They know about the sport. It's in their blood. It's in their family, whatever. Um, Yeah, like it's not about fairness. It's transphobia. The last example I'm going to give um, that I was reading today, I've done a lot of research to do this podcast because I really wanted like tangible things to talk about. And I will make sure I credit the creators and credit the websites I was going to. I know I use the NAMI, um, which is the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Um, and I also use the Trevor Project, which is great for um, learning about LGBTQ plus community um, and all the, the barriers people face. Um, what was I saying? Okay, let's give the example of Michael Phelps. So Michael Phelps, cisgender white man, let me say that again, cisgender white man, he has an advantage with his long ass (laughs) torso and body. He has a biological advantage. You know, and there, I read something today that was like, some doctor found that he produces half the levels of lactic acid. That is a GD advantage. But I have not seen anyone comment about that because, again, it's not about the biological disadvantage or advantage. It is about erasing trans people. And I also want to note one final comment on intersectionality. So let's think of our Black trans people and the barriers that they face. It's not about trans people doing something wrong. It's about policing other people's bodies. It's about making sure that we keep these rigid gender role structures and don't change the systems we've created. Well, I can guarantee there are so many systems in our world that are freaking broken and it all comes down to being a kind and loving human. And don't you want to leave this earth being like, you know what? I was as inclusive and helpful and loving as I could be. And I made sure that I fought for people to feel safe and comfortable in their bodies. Because you know what? I was reading Leah Thomas's story today and she has faced depression, gender dysphoria, all of these horrible things. And so the fact that people are looking at a stupid Facebook meme created by, you know, a white man in his forties drinking beer on his lawn. I don't know where I was going. (laughs) Um, okay. Yes. The meme or the picture, whatever it was. Um, the fact that you think you can tell the whole Leah's whole story, and this goes for anyone, I'm just using Leah because she sparked today's conversation, and and know how she has been feeling and and what feeling trans or being trans and those feelings must feel like. Like you cannot determine someone's reality off of a a a Facebook picture you can read in one second like that does not tell the full picture I was reading her story today and she's battled for so long because she's always been trans um and she and the fact that people think that oh people are just going to wake up and pretend that they're a different gender so that they can win medals bruh at the cost of depression and getting death threats on the internet you're tripping you're literally tripping okay 
again, I told you I was going to get heated. I'm very passionate about it. I love my trans people. I hate that this exists. However, I believe in conversations um, where we get to shed some light and we get to shed some love and we get to protect our trans people at all costs. I think it's important. So I hope you have a great day. I hope you learned something from this. Um, I know I will continue to educate and learn. And um, you know what? I'm kicking myself a little bit in the foot because it shouldn't take something hateful for me to read into these stories. So I'm going to do a better job at um, educating myself on everyday trans issues. Love you guys. Take care. Bye.